I'm Diana Holmesy, and I'm a Wonder Woman in Emergency Management at San Francisco Public Works. So I coordinate for any types of emergencies here at Public Works or planned events. We also do that. We run our Department Operations Center. I write all the plans and run the training and exercises for that response effort um, and also coordinate for our accreditation for the APWA. I've been working in this field in emergency response and emergency management probably about uh, 1999 when I was living in Alaska and uh, wanted to become a guide in a helicopter company. And to do that, you had to join the fire service. So the volunteer fire department, EMS and search and rescue. So I became an EMT so I could get the job. <laughs> and uh, it was the best job I ever had. I got to fly to work in a helicopter every day and do great things out there, mostly just guiding folks around, but sometimes responding to anything that would happen out there. Um, also responded in town, drove the ambulance, drove the fire truck, did that stuff. And then that just transferred down. I took, came back down to the lower 48 and did that in Utah. And then um, in Sierra Nevada, it's a mountain rescue team. And then back down to the Bay Area where I'm born and raised San Franciscan. So came back down here and did it in Marin County on the Marin County search and rescue team. So when I was doing all this work, doing it's all volunteer, doing search and rescue, uh, my brother finally said to me, you know, you got to get paid to do this. And so you should really look into it as a career. And I had looked into it because during that time, 9-11 uh, happened in New York. And that's when a lot of the careers in emergency management started. And they started to centralize and coordinate and organize the response efforts. I started in San Francisco. Part-time, I actually worked at the Port of San Francisco as their emergency manager. And the other part of the time I worked on San Francisco Fleet Week, <clears throat> I started working on that project through the Department of Emergency Management in 2010. We really transformed <clears throat> Fleet Week to be an event that, that added on this whole training and exercise program to it. It's rewarding to me because I'm a third generation San Franciscan. Uh, and I believe my grandfather worked for Public Works at one point as a mechanic. So just carrying on that tradition of having being in the city for almost 200 years in my family, it's important to me to, to help the people around us and the, the people that live here. And that, that feeling never really goes away. And no matter what city you're doing it in. Fun facts of disaster management. <laughs> um, it's interesting to now understand that I've come to Public Works, how important Public Works is after a disaster. We maintain the right of way and all the sidewalks and some of what goes on under the sidewalks and the trees. None of the first responders are gonna be able to do their job until we get those roads up and running. So our job is extremely important after a disaster. When we talk here in San Francisco, it's always earthquake, but it could be other things as well. Um, we, you know, we clean the streets, we, we do all of that work and people, you know, they don't really see it. Um, but, you know, when we're, even when we're doing the Warriors Parade and the Pride Parade, who's the next person up the block? It's Public Works and we're cleaning the streets and making sure that all, that all gets done. Uh, we also provide barricades. We do a lot of that work. We're kind of a little bit the go-to shop of you know, who needs what. You know, someone called today and said, the water main broke. Can you get us a porta potty? 
And then within an hour, we had a porta potty there. And they were like, wow, you guys are so fast. And, you know, they always say, like, kind of hashtag, we are public works. This is what we do. I think the work that, that I do for responding to disasters is important for obvious reasons of we all need to be prepared to know what to do after something happens. And that could be after a natural disaster or a man-made disaster, terrorism or whatever it could be. You know, if you don't live in San Francisco and you're, you know, around here, our greatest risk is fire. So you're always paying attention to what's happening. I woke up in the middle of the night. The other night I smelled something and I was like, at my mom's house up north and I like ran outside. I'm like, is there any smoke? Is there any smoke? Because, you know, we always just think about those things. Um, so you're always trying to make sure everybody around you is prepared and make sure that, that uh, your family and your friends and everyone is safe no matter what you do. You go to a concert, where's the exit? Movie theater, where's the exit? How am I going to get out? What am I going to do? Whether, you know, you never know what's going to happen in those spaces. It is just something that is constantly affects every decision and action you make during the day. Um, and that may be whether even as you're walking down the street um, just being aware all the time of your surroundings and what you're doing. I think recently many people have come to me and have been pretty despondent about the state of affairs in the world today uh, with everything that's happening. It doesn't matter what it is. It could be um, school shootings, you know, uh, what's happening in government, no matter what side you're on and what's happening into our city, inflation, homelessness. There's a never ending list of things that could be happening and going wrong. I try not to look at the world that way because that would just be a very sad place to be in and living in all the time and try to see the beauty and the wonderful things that are in your life whether that be people, my dog, <laughs> the sun is shining, the fog cleared, little things every day, uh, little moments that you can grasp onto because if you just take on the challenges of the world, it's, it's, uh, it's going to get to you. And I just don't think that that's a, a good way to, to live your life. We're always going to have, there's always going to be work and those challenges and that work effort will be there tomorrow. During COVID, that's a big, that was a big thing. People felt this responsibility to continue working every day, long hours every day. And yes, we were supposed to, but don't work seven days a week. Those problems are still going to be there on Monday. And whether or not they, it's delayed, you are going to crash and burn. It is not sustainable to work that long for that many hours on a very intense topic or subject as something like COVID or the COVID response. You have to take the time for yourself. You have to take the time off. There are other people that will come in and do that. It's a common thing of being like uninvited to the worst party ever is what someone said to me. When you are called off a disaster and you're said, okay, thank you, you can go home, we have another team coming in, you feel like, oh, I've been uninvited. Like, I'm not part of that team anymore. And it's really hard for people. They get really sad. Tears, emotional breakdowns, totally normal. You know, to realize that you need to hand over the torch and someone else needs to do it so that you can refill your batteries and be ready for the next thing. In reviewing in the slideshow of my mind of different things that I've done and different responses I've been on and memory of uh, an experience where I brought something to the room that 
had not been mentioned before when I was responding to the Santa Rosa fires. And I was sitting in the back of the room when they were talking about uh, doing the opening up the city, the parts of the city that had burned. And I sat in the back um, and hadn't, uh, didn't know a lot of people in the room. I just kept kind of raising my hand slowly and saying, and is it going to be dark out at that time? Do you need lights? Um, is the weather going to change? I think it's supposed to rain. Do you have coverage for that? And they were like, yes, good idea. And then it's kind of like bring you up a seat at the table um, to, and I think it's important to feel comfortable enough to, you know, to share those thoughts politely, not in a, uh, in a way that, you know, seems kind of like I know it all, but just say, have you thought about this? Have you considered this? Um, it, it, it is more, you know, well-received, better received if you uh, put it in that way. Um, so that's it. That's, that's a most recent experience for that. <laughs> but then I got the whole project. Uh, I had to run the whole project after that. They're like, why aren't you going to do this? And you have, you know, this many hours to get this set up. And then I, that's one of the situations it's like, how did I land myself here? How am I ever going to get this done? You know, and, and you do get it done. And I said, okay, I need a team, get a team together and just start working on it really hard and, and, and make it happen. And you do make it happen. It's long hours, long days. And, you know, you take that with you to, it's a, it's a bit of a tribe, you know, that you work with people on disasters. You, you never forget each other. You're always in connection when you're like, oh, I worked with you on this and I worked with you on that. And we were in the COVID command center together and we did this. And you see those bonds still happening. And it's, it's, it's fantastic because sometimes that doesn't happen in regular day-to-day -day jobs. And I think that although no one wants to impose a disaster on anybody, it does bring that, um, that kind of sense of, of working together because we care for each other as humans. I've had a couple of great people in my life from my career in search and rescue. Um, the head of our search and rescue in Marin County was a, a great mentor to me and how to work with people and change from being a responder to being a leader. And that's a shift in your mind as to thinking about a situation as always in response mode to thinking about it in a big picture mode and putting yourself up on, say, like more of a policy group level to understand not only am I concerned about what's happening in the field, but I'm also concerned about what I'm going to, how I'm going to portray um, and summarize our response efforts, whether that be to higher ups politically or to the media. So making that switch in your mind, it took me a while to do that. Taking that over to the city and one of my, um, one of my, my teammates from Marinsar ended up at DEM, Bijan Karimi. He was a great mentor for me as well on how to, coordinate those thoughts into written plans and how to do that. And also just, um, you know, he had a very, very calm sense. And I try to, you know, you try to emulate the people that you, in, that inspire you and take some of their greatest skills and make them yours. Another uh, female that I had in as a leader in my life was a woman I worked for um, in another another track of my world, which was I worked in the Antarctic and I was an expedition coordinator. And the woman that was the leader of that, she was, uh, she is still 
a great mentor to me. I always love to listen to her talk, how she related and how she communicated with people and with respect, always with respect and grace, always bringing humor to things. And I I think that's important as well, especially in my career, you know, it's like disaster, Diana. It's not, it's not that much fun. Don't be Debbie Downer. Disaster, Diana all the time. (laughs) But having female mentors, is really important to see how they act in these situations and how they relate to, to people and how, how they're seen and how other people see them and try to learn from that as well. And, um, you know, maybe alter it so it fits my persona because my personality is much different than, than anybody else's. And that's just, that's what makes us individuals, you know? So trying to understand what that is and, and, um, and really take from it, um, we're really lucky in San Francisco to have a fantastic group of emergency managers that really feels like a family here for us. Um, we, for all the departments in the city that work together and have worked together through all uh, many, many years. And, uh, and a lot of them are females and that's, uh, that's rare. And that's, um, that's an incredible experience and expre- incredible bond that we have uh, together here. So I feel really fortunate to do that. When I'm faced with a challenge, you know, or a response that I'm in charge of or things I have to do, I take to the dry erase board and chart it out or I use post-its and I kind of get made fun of for that. But um, it's true. I'm like, let's put this on the wall. What are our challenges? Where are they going to go? Who's going to do what? And how are we going to task it out? And I compartmentalize everything. Compartmentalizing is common for for people who have to deal with. And I was not a first responder for many, many years at all. And people do it and done it for far longer and they have to compartmentalize in order to protect themselves. Uh, you have to do that to protect your, you know, your soul, your heart, you know, all those things. So you're not in tears um, on a scene. So you have to kind of put things in a box and say, all right, we're going to do this. And then we're going to do this. And then we're going to do that. And we rely on each other to hold each other up and to really be able to, you have to be able to feel comfortable enough to, Tell your friends or tell somebody that you need help. And if I and I always kind of laugh and say, if I need help, then it's pretty bad because I can I feel like I can handle a lot. But, you know, um, you can't do it on your own and you shouldn't have to. And there's no reason to. So everybody needs to rely on peers and family and friends and, you know, systems that the city has or your organization has to help you get through something because you were put there. and We were put there because we deserve to be there and we earned the right to be there. But that doesn't mean you're abandoned and you have to do it on your own. And you don't have to feel like you have to do it because you're a woman, because everybody needs help. And if they can't ask for help, then, you know, that's that's sad. I think they should be able to ask for help and get the help you need. Thanks for listening to Snapshots, a Public Works podcast. 